Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is the literary editor of the Weekly Standard, Philip Terzian. I won't mention my degree in English literature from that prestigious Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't want you to feel intimidated, okay? I I'm, consider me intimidated. <laughs> I was in Boston, actually in Waltham, the town where Brandeis is, when Brandeis made the announcement that they were not just withdrawing their honorary degree from Ion Hersey Ali, the outspoken feminist activist, but that they were disinviting her from speaking to the uh, to the uh, graduation and would only allow her to speak in the future as part of a you know mixed group gathering. And it got me thinking, what does it mean on campuses today, in your opinion, Philip, for someone to say, I'm a liberal, when we see across the country how ready people on who identify themselves as liberals on campus are to disinvite and chase away ideas with which they do not agree? Well, it means more or less the opposite of what it used to mean. I was struck with the Ion Hersey Alley affair that this happened at a school named for Justice Louis Brandeis, exactly. who was one of the great liberal heroes of the late 19th, early 20th century, who was the very embodiment. I mean, he's the one who said that that you know uh, openness is the best disinfectant for government he was the strong proponent of free speech and a strong proponent of free speech in the sense that uh, his speech was protected as well as the speech of the person who violently disagreed with him so that has been almost entirely turned on its head and unfortunately we see this in most spectacular fashion in the one place in the world where you shouldn't see it, namely a college campus. And it's interesting to me, too, that you look at the, uh, as the politicians say, the optics of this. You have Ayan Hirsi Ali, a woman from Africa who fled horrific uh, uh, circumstances, made her way to, uh, to the Netherlands, became a prominent academic, and speaks out on women's issues. So here's a uh, woman of color, speaks out on women's issues, and she's chased away from Brandeis, uh, Condoleezza Rice, obviously tremendously successful, a woman of color. There was a cartoon I saw, I think, today or yesterday that had a picture of what appeared to be a bus, and in the back of the bus was Condoleezza Rice, uh, you know, having been disinvited yeah. from speaking. And that is, I mean, you th- and this is the same people who, uh, from an ideological standpoint, rage about the Republican war on women who perceive racism where an average person cannot find it who talk about white privilege to the point that harvard is now mandating that incoming students to the kennedy school of government must take a course on white privilege and yet they turn around and expel these two women of color for their ideas without a second thought well ion hersey alley used to work at the american enterprise institute which is in the same building as the weekly standard and i would occasionally see her in the elevator in the lobby and she was always surrounded by men in suits, and out on the street was parked a big black van. I mean, this was a woman who was under threat of death for her uh, criticism of Islamism and the mistreatment of women in, in the Third World. This was She didn't say these things uh, with the possible danger of losing tenure or not getting her piece published somewhere. Right. Her life was at stake. Um, Condoleezza Rice is everything that a liberal academic should admire. She's a woman from Alabama, a black woman from Alabama, who rose to become a distinguished scholar of international relations 
first African-American woman Secretary of State. She's provost of Stanford University. Um, it's hard to find a, a model um, more in keeping with what those people purport to admire. But, you know, the thing is that when these trends are unchecked by universities, and I blame the presidents and the administrators much more than I do the students and malcontent faculty and so on, um, it, it, it acquires a kind of totalitarian quality that's frankly a little disturbing. And the, the piece I wrote for the Weekly Standard, which you kindly mentioned, I said at the end, in effect, you know, conservatives suffer from this and have for some time, and it's, it's a fact of life and we have to deal with it and adapt to it. But, you know, the way this is going, it's going to be a threat to liberals as well. And lo and behold, <laughs> I don't advertise myself as a prophet, but I would say within 24 hours of that having been published, Christine Lagarde, who's the head of the right. International Monetary Fund, who's no right-winger, was disinvited from Smith. And then on the heels of that, uh, Robert Bergano, the former chancellor of the University of California, once again uh, a good liberal, was disinvited from Haverford under the same circumstances. It's these people are not pursuing um, the truth. They're pursuing ideological purity, and they're going after people on their own side who aren't quite pure enough. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it could be that kind of... Uh you know, Marxist approach or uh, as permanently uh, uh, ensconced in that classic uh, work of philosophy, The Life of Brian, the Palestinian, the liberation, the, the front for the liberation of Palestine versus the Palestinian front for liberation. Right. It could be that internecine squabbling, but I just get a sense of childishness about it, of just thin-skinned children uh, who've never had to deal ever with anything resembling adversity, who've lived a life of virtual you know, right. uniformity and conformity, and then they see something that they don't agree with and their sensibilities are so tender and their tolerance is so right. low that, that they react like spoiled brats. And I'm, I'm glad that you called out the university administrators because... When I send a kid off to college, I'm counting on the people who are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to be the grown-ups in this room. Exactly right. I mean, you expect, I mean, look, you've been admitted to Princeton or Stanford or Harvard, and you, you've probably been told all your life how smart you are, and you, you are smart, and you've worked hard, and, and you get to Harvard, and um, the, 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 the problems that you face pale so dramatically in comparison with what 99.9% of the population that you you have to kind of cling to these almost uh, surreal, almost evanescent notions of speech being physically painful and threatening to your existence and that sort of thing. On the other hand, you know, you expect adolescents to be adolescents. They're full of themselves. They're suddenly exposed to all these ideas. They get influenced by oddballs and so on. And and they're going to say silly things, um, and the occasional professor is going to join them in saying silly things. The point of an institution like Harvard or Brandeis or Rutgers or whatever is that, there, as you say, there are grown-ups on campus, and they're the ones who should be patiently and sometimes severely explaining 
that yes, uh, but you know we're a university where ideas are debated and exchanged, not shouted down, throttled, stomped on, and attacked. And that's not happening. I mean, the 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 college presidents really do uh, accede to the mob veto under these circumstances, and that sends a terrible. I mean, it's just, it's you know, it's 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 a disadvantage for conservatives because we're usually the victims of these things, but it doesn't help anybody, and it certainly teaches the wrong lesson to the undergraduates, exactly the opposite of what a university should be teaching, that that the threat of violence and intimidation works, that that the mob rules. That's not what. Uh, institutions of higher learning are for. One last question, Philip. Uh, how should small L liberals respond? Should they simply say, well, this is the moment we're in. We're kind of in this childish fit with a, a teenager as the president, you know, leading, right. we're bringing out our lesser uh, angels, our lesser spirits. Should they fight back? Should they have counter protests? Should they do anything? I think they're, I mean, they're the ones, it's, it's Nixon goes to China. They're the ones who should speak be speaking up for Condoleezza Rice. Um, the last phase we had in America, this sort of thing, was in the 60s, and it was exactly the same thing. The student radicals, they didn't really go after conservatives. They ended up devouring Clark Kerr, who was the chancellor at, at Berkeley, Nathan Pusey, the president of Harvard, who had been a great liberal hero during the McCarthy era, defending the Harvard faculty and freedom of speech and academic freedom. They're the ones who were who were who were castigated and regarded as fascists and were penalized for it. I think the uh, that's the that's the that's the the lesson that we draw at least from the experience of my lifetime. Philip Terzian, thanks so much for joining us here on the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.